Let me invite you to take your Bible and find Psalm 34. Psalm 34. You know, we're reading through the Psalms as a church family. We're continuing on. It'll take us to May to read through them, a Psalm each day. So we have Psalm 34, which should be your reading for today. Psalm 34. It's a great Psalm. All the Psalms are great. Uh, this one, uh, David wrote after he, you may say in your Bible, after he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So David was, uh, David was very smart, very shrewd king. And it was a tactic he used to uh, get away from Abimelech. But it's a great psalm. And I think all of us have been in a spot with someone or something or some situation where we really needed to get out of there. Somebody... It just wasn't a good situation. And I think we've all been there. We're, that's why I love the Psalms. We can all relate to the Psalms. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's bipolar. He's happy one day. He's happy one verse, and he's, he's sad the next verse. And uh, I think we're all there. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we have those days where, that are good days and those days that aren't good days. And so David's having one of those days, and he writes this Psalm to the Lord. Have you noticed in your reading so far, and this is just, this is, a, this is not the sermon, but it's, a, it won't be on the final exam either, but have you noticed so far in the Psalms how many times you've seen Jesus refer to the Psalms as something he said? So when he was hanging on the cross, he was quoting the Psalms. Did you see that? Have you seen that so far? We're going to see a verse in here also from that, but it's amazing that our Lord and Savior, as he hung on the cross dying, he was quoting the Psalms. And so if, if he thought the Psalms were good, at the point of crucifixion, and certainly we can, when we take up our cross daily, we can see how the Psalms will be good for us, right? This is a great image for us. I will extol the Lord at all times. Now, who uses the word extol? Anybody in here this week walked around and said, I'm, I'm going to go extol something? Anybody? I don't see any hands. I didn't use the word extol. What does extol mean? Anybody know? Lift up. Lift up, praise, praise, right? Exalt, shout out, I will extol. So uh, anybody have a different version that has a different word for the word extol this morning? Anybody with a different version there? Bless, okay, bless, all right, it's another good word. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. There's a song that we've sung in our congregation several times. It's uh, called Ever Be. This is where that verse comes from. Did you recognize that? It's amazing. When you, when you know the Psalms, so many writers, so many writers who are writing Christian Psalms have taken a verse or a chorus or a phrase. <clears throat> His praise will always be on my lips. In the year 2000, the summer of the year 2000, which was just a few years ago, I was, uh, the Lord directed me to read the Psalms. He said, I've got something for you in the Psalms. I want you to study the Psalms over the summer. Yes, Lord, I love the Psalms. I'll do that. As I started studying the Psalms and reading them, uh, the Lord just started giving me songs. And so the words that I was reading would just turn into rhyme. And I would hear this tune in my head that went along with it. It's, it was just instantaneous. And I had a cassette recorder. And so I started recording the Psalms. I just sang it as it was coming to me and put it in the recorder. And, and after several weeks of this, I went to my worship leader, Carl Carty is his name. 
And I said, Carl, I've, I've got these songs that start popping in my head. He was a songwriter. I said, I don't know what to do with this. He said, I'll come over to your house, preacher. And so he came over to the house and we put the cassette tape in. He brought his guitar and he started playing the songs and picking out the tunes and the notes and everything and put them to music. And then we would sing them in church on Sunday. And it was just, we would create it during the week and sing it on Sunday and people would enjoy it. And it was right out of the Psalms. It was just word for word right out of the Psalms. Maybe something like that will happen to you as well. So don't be surprised if when you're reading the Psalms, the Holy Spirit comes on you with something new and fresh and vital that you didn't even know existed in your own life. He'll do that. He'll, the Holy Spirit likes doing that. I will bless the Lord all the time. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. My soul will boast. Have you boasted on anything this week? Some of you boasted on a star in a play this week. We have a star in our presence. <coughs> Emily's starring in a play. Literally, she's the star in a play. A starfish. <clears throat> she does starfish really well. That's what I've heard. And she's also a princess. She gets to wave. So you go, girl. Her parents have been boasting about her all week long. Right? At some point this evening, about 8.30 or 8.45, there's going to be some people boasting about something, right? Anybody know what's happening this evening? The Super Bowl, right? right. Somebody will be both. Do what? Commercials. Commercials. <laughs> Let's don't go there. Let's don't start that this morning. It's already across the aisle already. Calm down. Calm down. George, help me out here, buddy. Calm down a little bit, old man. So. I will boast in the Lord. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is boasting what the Lord has done for you today. Or this minute. Or, or the minute before that. We brag on a lot of things. And I brag on my grandkids. I boast about my grandkids. They're absolutely amazing. And as I should, as we all should. But when do we boast in the Lord? Right? David said, I'm, I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to get happy about telling people who my God is. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Hey, there's somebody you know that's afflicted. <laughs> I know some of you are laughing. <laughs> I know some of you just elbowed somebody. <laughs> We all know somebody that's afflicted with something, right? Doubt, despair, depression, anger, bitterness, fear, anxiety. We all know somebody that's afflicted with something. And the more we boast in the Lord, the more opportunity we have to lift them out of what they're afflicted in. Right? The Bible says, let them hear and rejoice. That if God delivered you out of this, then he, will he might deliver you out of this same thing. That's why testimonies are so powerful. If God brought you out of a drug addiction, then boast in the Lord with that because it just might help somebody else get out of their drug addiction. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David was big on the church gathering together so that you could exalt together. As a matter of fact, there's quite a few times in the Psalms where he says, I will, I will not hide my praise in the great assembly. 
I will not hold back the truth in the great assembly. What's the great assembly? That's when all the mamas and the daddies and the grandparents and the children and the kinfolks and the, the single moms and the single dads and all the people are gathered. He says, I will not hold back in the great assembly. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. He delivered me from all of our fears. You know, doctors are saying nowadays that, that some 80% of the patients they see come in not with a real disease, but with a manifestation of fear that's risen up within them. This caused something. Psychosomatic, they call it. Right? So a lot of people go in presenting something, and that's not really what the real thing is. It's an underlying fear of something. You know, they're, they're afraid of, People are afraid of, of life. They're afraid of death. They're afraid of losing their hair, right? Uh, people are afraid of a lot of things. And some of that can lead to disease. <clears throat> I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. <clears throat> their faces are never covered with shame. God doesn't want you to live in shame. He does not want you to live in shame. Whatever you've done in the past is forgiven and forgotten as far as God's concerned. You might be having a hard time forgetting it, but God's already forgotten about it. Right? And he doesn't want you living in that shame. What, what father would want their child to live in shame? or their grandchild to live in, in shame. God doesn't want that. And so it says, those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. <clears throat> David's saying, look, God took care of me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. There are two camps. There's a, the camp of God and the camp of the enemy, right? There are two towers. It's a good tower and a bad tower. There's right and there's wrong. There's good and there's evil. And the Bible says that the Lord encamps around those who worship him, those who follow him, those who pursue him. Do you remember the story of Elisha, right? Elisha and his sidekick, right, uh, his Barney Fife, right, <clears throat> they were in a house one day, and uh, they were getting ready for supper and just chilling, and Elisha had been telling the king the moves of the enemy army, and every time the army, enemy army would move, God would tell Elisha, hey, the army moved south, and so Elisha would send word through Barney Fife, to the king to say the army of the enemy has moved south. Well, the king of Israel would move his army south. And this went on for a long time. And finally, the king of the evil army said, what's the deal? Why is this happening? And one of his guys, one of his generals said, well, there's this prophet. He sits in this house, and somehow he knows every move we make, and he tells the king. And the evil 
king said, go kill him. Go kill him. Go kill that prophet. I can't have somebody tell him, him my every move. So the army surrounded this house. They got a hut out in the field. You got Elisha and Barney Fife with him, his servants, taking care of him, right? And Barney Fife decides to look out the window. Oh, my God. There's an army everywhere. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He just goes nuts. He's running around the house, running around the house, running around the house, trying to find his one bullet, right? <laughs> Putting his gun. Because the evil king had sent his army to besiege him. And he runs over to Elisha. Don't you care? Don't you care? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Elisha's taking a nap, I guess. Elisha woke up and said, what's, what's the problem? He said, we're surrounded by the enemy. They're about to attack our little hut and kill us. Elisha said, ah, don't worry about that. Go back and look again. Go back and look out the window again. And I can just see Barney Fife going, again? I'm not looking out that window again. They might shoot me. Go look out the window again. And he prayed this prayer. Father, Elisha prayed this prayer. Father, open his eyes that he may see reality. Open his eyes that he may see the reality of heaven. And so Barney Fife opens the window again. He says, he says, prophet. Prophet says, what do you see? He said, I see the army of the host of God surrounding the enemy. Well, I said, yeah, yeah. What else is new? Right? And the evil army, the evil king had to leave. Long story, I won't go into all the rest of it, but he left. It's a great story. Read it sometimes in 2 Kings. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And let me tell you, when the angel of the Lord shows up, he always shows up with an army. It ain't just the angel of the Lord who always surrounds you. He shows up with an army. He shows up with an army. And it ain't no little army. It's not a bunch of little happy babies with wings, right? Chubby babies, right? That's not the kind of angels he shows up with. These guys are nine feet tall. Right? You take Jerome right here, right? And you put a yardstick on top of him, and that's how tall nine feet is. Six, eight, six, seven. <laughs> what is it? Remind me again. Six, six. You put a yardstick on top of him, he'd be nine and a half feet tall. That's how tall angels are. At least that we can surmise. And it's not just one of them. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. He really could have called 100,000. It's the right, right math on it. He could have called 100,000 angels. There's a lot of them out there. And they're surrounding you wherever you go. Do you believe that? Yes. You do have a guardian angel. Some of you have two or three. You, you need it, right? If Gail were here, I'd pick on her this morning. She needs four or five, maybe six. Taste and see the Lord is good. This is an incarnational psalm. And what that means is something becomes flesh. And so David is trying to say, God is real. You can, you can taste God. You can hear God. You can see God. You can touch God. David is putting humanity onto spirit which is what Jesus did. Jesus came as spirit and took on humanity. It's the incarnation. He incarnated himself. David is saying he's real. God is real. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
Fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. <clears throat> now the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Not everything you want, which is what you're taught sometimes in the prosperity gospel that's out there. You can have everything you want. <clears throat> you can have your best life now. Right? You can have your best life in the next three minutes. Take this course and in five minutes you'll be a super Christian. Right? It's all this kind of stuff out there. No, what the Bible says is the lions may grow weary, weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God is saying there's going to be times when you're weak. There's going to be times when you're hungry spiritually, physically, emotionally. There are going to be those times. But if you'll seek the Lord, he will fill you up with good things. Not the things you want, but the things you really need. <clears throat> Come, my children, listen to me. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord, <clears throat> or how to worship the Lord. Whoever of you loves and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, Spock would say, live long and prosper. Right? That's what he would say right there. If you desire to live long and prosper and <clears throat> see many good days, here are four things to do. Don't speak evil. And what that means is to go around talking evil about people. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking lies about people. <clears throat> Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. We're to pursue peace. As Christians, we are to pursue peace. Right? Uh, the Bible says, as much as lies within you, live at peace with one another. Now, there's some people you can't live at peace with because they don't want to be at peace. And you're not required to live at peace with them. Right? You're, <clears throat> you can walk away. It's okay. But for those who want to live at peace like you want to live at peace, then live at peace with people. In other words, cut out the drama. Just cut out the drama. How many of you are tired of drama? Anybody? Whoa, that was quick. A lot of hands. How many of you love Jesus? Raise those hands. Oh, look at that. All right, it's about the same amount. That hate drama. We love Jesus. We hate drama. One of my friends on Facebook posted, I'm getting off of Facebook. I can't stand the drama anymore. She's gone. Right. She's gone. So many people are getting off of Facebook. Tired of the drama. Right? Of course, half the people on Facebook are fake. We found out this week, if you read that article, 50% of the people are not even people. They're robots. Right? Some algorithm somebody put in there. Now, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Look at, we're, we're, we're putting humanity on spirit again, right? Right? The incarnation again. God has eyes. He's watching us, right? Are you glad God's watching you? Right? His ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Wow. Yeah. 
Remember, Moses couldn't see the face of God. God had to hide him in the cleft of the rock, right? And he put his hand over it, and when he passed by, Moses could see the back of God, but he couldn't see the face of God. Right? The face of God. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom had several looks. She had the I love Jim look, right? That's my, that's my boy, right? And then she had the Jim, you're in trouble look. Yeah, with the middle name included, exactly. God must have that same look, too. He has that look of I love Jim. <laughs> he has that look of Jim. But apparently he has a look for those who are evil. Now I know, I know we all struggle with the evil in the world. Especially it seems to be increasing. It appears to be increasing. I know we all struggle with it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, because of the increase of wickedness, he's talking about the end days, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. And he's talking about Christians. He's not talking about lost people there. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of Christians will go, grow cold because Christians see the evil and they just get exhausted by it. They're absolutely exhausted. Christians get exhausted by the evil that's out there and they just, I just, just want to give up. That's what happens. Well, God's got a plan for evil. He has a plan for evil. He says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, that's a great place. The Bible says God is close to people who are broken in their heart. Right? He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, that word saved comes from a word sozo, S-O-Z-O. In the Greek, it comes from a Hebrew word. But it means more, it means to restore health. It means to restore well-being. It means to restore peace of mind. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful word that means so many things. But the Bible says that God restores those who are crushed in spirit. So if you are crushed in spirit today, God wants to restore that. And can restore that if you'll let him do his work. A righteous man may have many troubles. What did Jesus say about that? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have it easy. Isn't that what he said? What did he say? In this world, you're going to have what? Why? And he also said, if they hated you, if they hated me, they're going to hate you even more. Right? So if you're going to have trouble, the Bible's Jesus, he just knows we have trouble. The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Where have you heard that particular phrase? Anybody? Okay. And, and, what is, and, and what about it, Jesus? At what point in his life? Crucified, right? And so they, when, a, when a person hung on the cross, right? It was suspended like this. And his feet were nailed to the cross. Hands were nailed to the cross. And he would, have to, he would slump down like that. Would cut off air. So he would suffocate. That's really what happened. The lungs would fill up with fluid and the person would suffocate. That's how a person died on the cross. 
And at sundown, they wouldn't let them hang up there. The way they would make sure they were dying or going to die was to break a leg. And that way they would completely slump. Because as long as they had strength in their leg, they could hold themselves up and breathe a little bit more. But once that leg was broken, they couldn't breathe anymore. And they were sure to die. That's why the breaking of leg. When they came to Jesus, the soldiers recognized we're not going to break his leg because he's already dead. Therefore, the scripture is fulfilled on the cross. A thousand years ago, scripture fulfilled on the cross where it says his legs, not a bone in his body was broken. You see that? You see how the Old Testament transfers in the New Testament? That's why it's so important to know the old and the new, how they come together and how the prophetic words were given. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them would be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. That's a really strong statement. Evil will slay the wicked. Now, what does that mean that evil will slay the wicked? I think it means that whatever wicked schemes people use today to hurt other people will come back on them as well. Is what I think. That's what I think. I think, I think God says, okay, that's how you treated others. This is how I will treat you. Now, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ and you've treated others badly, then your sins are forgiven. God doesn't treat you that way. But the lost person, the wicked person, the person without God, the Bible says that evil, evil will slay the wicked. So if you're a doctor and you've rejoiced and enjoyed aborting babies, then God will abort you at some point. Evil will slay the wicked. Now we know God's not evil. But God has put things in motion to where evil catches up with evil. And it all winds up in a lake of fire. Burns forever and ever. That's evil. However, the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will, take, no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore... Excellent, excellent. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here are my quick takeaways from this passage, uh, from this chapter. Nothing happens to you that Adonai does not see. The word Adonai is the word we use for Lord. It's the word, if you were reading in the Hebrew Bible, it would be Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, Adonai. Nothing happens to you that Adonai does not see. Nothing. He saw when you were conceived. He sees you today. He will see you when he comes to receive you unto himself that where he is, you may be also. You are always before the face of God, the good face of God, not that you, not that, that mama, daddy look we talked about earlier, right? Not that you're in trouble look. You're always in the face of God where he says, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the glory of the Lord. You're always facing him. Nothing happens to you that Adonai does not see. 
If you weep, he weeps with you. If you rejoice, he rejoices with you. If you were hurt back in the day, harmed back in the day, abused back in the day, he saw that he wept with you when you wept. He still loves you today and wants to redeem you. Second thing, the Lord hears everything you say and everything you pray. You don't have to keep repeating it over and over and over again. He doesn't have a hearing aid that you have to turn up so he can hear you. Third thing, the Lord has a plan for all who are wicked. Fourth, God has a plan for all who are righteous. God has a plan for all who are righteous. Fifth thing, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted today, you're as close to God as you'll ever be. God comes right up beside you, right along with you, and says, I'm listening. The sixth thing, the Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you or someone you know is crushed in spirit, the Lord wants to deliver them, save them, help them, heal them, restore them, bless them. And the seventh thing is, the Lord redeems his servants. The Lord redeems his servants. Now, what does that word redeem mean? I want to close with this. The word redeem means to compensate for injustice or to return to you something that was taken from you. And it will be better in better condition than what it was before. There's a, a great passage in uh, Joel chapter 2. That's Joel chapter 2 is just, it's just a great chapter. If you want to meditate on a chapter, that's it. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. God is talking about Israel. They've been in bondage. They've been in captivity. Things did not go well. Some problems. And then he comes and he says, after they've repented, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locust and the other locust and the locust swarm. That's a lot of locusts. A lot of locusts. And the reason Joel is covering all the locusts, there's a lot of reasons, but the, the main reason he's covering all the locusts is Sometimes the enemy comes along and just takes a little bit out of your life. Sometimes he just comes along and nibbles here and there and there. Sometimes he comes along and just devours everything. And you're stuck. And you're just stuck. And you're just stuck. God says, I can redeem all that. There's absolutely nothing I cannot redeem. He goes on to say, My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you're full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. There's that word again. Then you will know that I am the Lord of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Whatever locust is eating away at you, body, soul, spirit, mind, will, emotions, family, money, whatever it is, God says, I can fix that if you'll let me. I can fix that if you'll let me. I'll redeem that if you'll let me. When does redemption happen? On this side of heaven, on the other side of heaven? Yes. Maybe it's not fully redeemed on this side of heaven. Maybe it's fully redeemed on the other side of heaven. 
Every situation is different. But God says, I'll redeem that. I'll redeem that. You lose family and friends down here, God says, you're going to have a whole lot more family and friends on the other side. You lose riches for my sake down here, you're going to have a lot more riches on the other side. That's the promise. The key is to say, God, I'm crushed in spirit. To be honest with him, I'm just crushed in spirit. And then to, and then to acknowledge this, I know you're close to me. And that's all you got to say. God, I'm, I'm broken hearted, but I know you're close to me. That's all you got to say. That's all you got to pray. Don't go any further than that. Just stop right there. God, I'm crushed in spirit. But I know you're close to me. Let him do what only he can do. Amen. Father, thank you for this word.